You are listening to Off the Dome. This is a show where I talk about shit I fuck with. Today we'll be talking about Michael Jordan's documentary, the NFL draft, music of the week, and NBA news. Yeah, I just took a mean-ass shit in Chipotle. What a be, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Baller Nation. This is the Off the Dome Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Perron. And what we do here, I just talk about shit I fuck with. Today on the show, Michael Jordan's episode... Michael Jordan's documentary episode three and four, the NFL draft. We're talking about some of the music that came out this week and of course some of the news surrounding the NBA right now. Let's just jump straight into the Michael Jordan documentary. Episode three and four is great. I loved it. Um the thing is that didn't really focus a lot on Michael Jordan a lot in this episode, not so much as it did in the first episode in the first two episodes. Of course, the first two episodes it talked a lot about Michael Jordan's time against the the Boston Celtics and how he was dropping sixty three points a game and sixty three points in that playoff game. And it focused a lot more on Michael Jordan. This one was Dennis Rodman, it was Phil Jackson, and a lot of the Bad Boy Pistons, which I really liked, and I'm going to get into all, and I'm going to get into all that stuff. Pardon me, as we go on the show. Also, the NFL Draft. I'll be talking about the top two overall picks. Pretty obvious, if you ask me. The steal of the draft. Discussing the Green Bay Packers pick. Philadelphia Eagles drafting Jalen Hurts as well. Uh, like questionable and i'll be talking the winners and losers of the draft music of the week nba young boy the scots and k camp actually not a bad album and of course the nba news we've seen some stories surrounding when practice facilities might be starting to open but without further ado let's get going michael jordan's documentary first things first for me it showed me that in the 1980s were maybe the greatest decade in nba history as far as basketball goes i love the 1980s of course the 80s were the was a decade that brought the nba that put the NBA back on the map. The 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 A's was was a decade that transformed the NBA. That wasn't really due to Michael Jordan. That was more the Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird aspect of the of the rivalry there. But the nineteen eighties really put the NBA back on the map, and it was amazing. I loved it. I wish I was around back then to witness that shit. Uh, you just think of some of the great players there, some of the great teams, obviously the Celtics and, and the and the Lakers. The Bulls were great in the decade. The Detroit Pistons were great, but also teams like the Philadelphia 76ers, the Houston Rockets were great back then too. Um, and Cleveland started to come on towards the end of the decade. But the 1980s for me really, or the, 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 the Michael Jordan documentary so far for me has really showed how great the 1980s were um, in history. And then the fact that people have the audacity to say that Michael Jordan never faced any competition and he was going up against plumbers and all stuff it's ridiculous to me and i can't fathom why people would ever say something like that um even if you do believe lebron is the greater player you still have to give respect and credit where credit is due the 1980s were hosts of some of the greatest players of all time you think kareem you think of magic you think larry bird obviously michael jordan isaiah thomas james worthy i i can go on moses malone of course the king was drafted julius servant Julius Irvin, of course, I can go on and I definitely missed a couple players there, but the 1980s were ridiculous. The Celtics were at their peak. The Lakers were at their peak. Maybe the two greatest Celtic and Lakers teams of all time were in the the 80s 
there. And of course, Michael Jordan was putting up seven, 37 points a game uh, and he was leading the league in scoring and the bad boy Pistons came in and I want to discuss about the bad boy Pistons because I think that the bad boy Pistons they're getting a lot of unnecessary hate and people really dislike the bad boy Pistons now and as someone who watched the 30 for the 30 for 30 that ESPN did on the bad boy Pistons um a few I've watched it about two times now I just recently watched it maybe about a couple months a couple months ago and watching this Michael Jordan documentary I, I, I can't I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid to say it. I love the Bad Boy Pistons. The Bad Boy Pistons are one of my my most favorite teams of all time. I'm a Spurs fan personally. All right, so obviously I rock with I rock with my Spurs. I rock, George Gervin is another guy I forgot to mention. Great great guy in the '80s, um, but I rock with my Spurs. But the Bad Boy Pistons, I love everything that they stand for. I, I love, and obviously not. I'm not in support of hurting players or anything like that. That's one. That's, that's obvious. Just get that out of the way. I'm not in support of of injuring players. I'm not in support of of you know, you know, purposely taking someone out. Um, but what I am in support of is is how hard they play and their attitude. Their attitude was, we don't give a fuck who you are. We're we're gonna treat you the same way that we treat everybody else. And Michael Jordan, he saw that and. It, let, let, let me rephrase here because obviously they were they were treating Michael Jordan a lot different than they were treating other players. But, but the thing is, like they gave no one respect. That's that's what I'm saying here. They gave no one respect. They 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 made rules for Michael Jordan, and and obviously okay that might be kind of respecting him there. But but they just didn't give a shit that he was the greatest player of all time. They didn't give a shit he was the most talented player of, of all time. They're still gonna knock his ass down. That was the attitude there. They didn't care. They didn't care what other people thought. They didn't care that they were being hated on. They didn't care that, that no one liked them. They didn't care that the NBA didn't like them because they weren't the big market team. The big market's team, the big market went back then. That was the Bulls. That was that was the that was the Lakers and the, and the Celtics. It was supposed to be those three teams in the, in the 80s. And the Bad Boy Pistons come out here with Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn and Sally and, and Isaiah Thomas and all these guys, and they ruined it. And I think that a lot of players on the Pistons didn't get enough credit, didn't get mentioned enough. Really, the documentary focused mainly on Isaiah Thomas. Of course, it still seems to be personal between Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan, uh, which is still kind of funny to see. And I like that as well, that the Detroit Pistons, are, there's, there is, they, they haven't forgotten what playing against each other was like. Um, but I think that the documentary should have talked a lot more about not not only the player, not only the fact that Michael Jordan was getting hit, which they talked about, but they they needed to they needed to name drop the players who were hitting him. I mean, come on, you got to give Bill Lambeer some credit. You got to give you got to have Mahorn, you got to have Sally, uh, Dennis Robin, of course, was getting a bit of credit there for, for the Pippin thing. Um, but I, I would like to see a bit more name drops. And of course, they did have the microwave. They did have guys like Adrian Danley. They did have Joe Demars and all these guys, too. Um, that would have been nice to see name dropped a little bit more. But that's kind of my thing on the Detroit Pistons. And of course, how they how they ended that off with walking off the court. A lot of people hate that. Um, but I I personally, I love that. I, I just, I love the attitude there. It's just, it's just fuck you. All right. We were never nice. We never will be nice. I don't care. Who, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you beat us. I don't care if we beat you. We're not going to be nice to you. They were bad boys. That's it. They, they and I, I respect the shit out of that. You know, it's just fuck you. That that's the attitude right there. All right. Now a lot of people will hate that, but I kind of love. And it's weird that I like it. And I, it's it's really weird that I like that. And I enjoy that. But I find it fucking hilarious. And to be fair to the Pistons, the Celtics gave them the same treatment when the Pistons finally beat the Celtics. Because remember, there wouldn't be no bad boy Pistons if the Boston Celtics weren't there beating them every year. There wouldn't be no bad boy Pistons if they never won the NBA Finals and lost to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, and those boys. 
All right, so it takes takes great teams to make other great teams. My, there wouldn't be no Pistons without the Celtics. There wouldn't be Michael Jordan without the Pistons, you know, and, and so on and so forth throughout NBA history. That's kind of my thing on, on the Detroit Pistons. I like that. I liked how the documentary also talked a lot about uh, Phil Jackson, and I'll get into Dennis Robin a bit later because he was, of course, the, a lot of the he 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 was featured a lot in the in the, the in episode three and four. But Phil Jackson, for me, as a Spurs fan and as a fan who worships Greg Popovich. I I will admit the fact that Popovich is not a better coach than Phil Jackson. All right, now the argument, of course, that Phil Jackson was, oh, he's always had great players. He's always had Kobe, Magic, and all these guys, you know, um, Shaq, and, of course, Pippen and these guys. But the fact of the matter is that it's tough coaching great players. It's tough coaching great talent, not only coaching them, but keeping them together. Just keeping them together. It's it's ridiculously difficult. Um, and and you, we saw that in in Los Angeles where Phil Jackson um, really couldn't keep Kobe and Shaq together. But the fact that he even made that work, the fact that he even made Dennis Rodman and Pippen and Jordan, three guys who are not afraid to say what the fuck they want to say, the fact that he made that work is ridiculous. And they all and they all appreciated him. Michael Jordan was a bit skeptical at first because of course. He brought in the triangle offense, and Michael Jordan didn't have the ball in his hands. And Phil Jackson even told him that he's probably not going to score the most points per game in the NBA no more. Michael Jordan still did, but his points per game was reduced significantly thanks to the triangle offense. But the team's success went up. And Michael Jordan, at the end of the day, what he cares most about is winning. He doesn't care what he has to do to win. He just wants to win basketball games. He re- and Phil Jackson had the same attitude. And Phil Jackson, he got the whole—he he, he made the team buy in to his strategy. He made the team buy into the triangle offense. And that just goes to show for me, Phil Jackson, uh, he's got to be the greatest coach of all time. He's, 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 if he's not the greatest, he's, he's up there. He's top three for sure uh, for me. And I think he should be in a lot of people's, in a lot of people's eyes, if not, everybody, if not everyone's eyes. Uh, that's kind of what I want to say for Phil Jackson. Dennis Rodman, uh, of course, the, the main the, – the documentary is obviously about Michael Jordan, but these two episodes I, I felt featured a lot of Dennis Rodman, maybe even more so than Michael Jordan, but Dennis Rodman. Um, we saw him a lot and, and when he was on the Pistons there, when he was taking down guys like Scottie Pippen, attacking guys like Michael Jordan, of course. Um, but Dennis Rodman, just a great character, great character. Uh, he, he embodies everything of a man who genuinely doesn't give a fuck. And I credit that a lot to not only his upbringing, because I know I realized that he had a very troubled upbringing in Oklahoma, um, but the fact that the, the teams he played on before he played on the before he played on the Bulls, he played on in the San Antonio system where he San Antonio system. That's where he got all those crazy stat lines. You see where he scored zero points, grabs twenty eight boards. He knew his role. He knew his role. He didn't give a fuck. That's where he started practicing rebounds. He knew his role. And in San Antonio, that's where he started to, alongside uh, the Admiral uh, and alongside some of those guys, that's where he started to really embrace the fact that, or that's when that's when you really started to see those stat lines where he wouldn't score but grab 24 rebounds and play 48 minutes. Or he wouldn't even shoot a basket or he wouldn't even attempt a shot and grab 25 boards. Stuff like that. Uh, just ridiculous. And I, and I really like that with Dennis Robin. And, of course, playing on, playing on those Pistons. He fit into the into the bad boy Pistons system perfectly. The guy who, like, he, 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 can, he can play dirty, but he wears his heart and his soul, everything on his sleeve, which I appreciate. I think he's, he's probably the biggest character, the greatest character in NBA history. Everything from the hair to stuff he did off the court, of course. We all know about the Vegas thing. I think they, they mentioned briefly uh, that he married himself uh, and dressed himself in, in a wedding dress and all, and all that stuff. That was just Dennis Robin, and he did what Dennis Robin wanted to do. 
that's what I that's and again that goes back to Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson not only did he have to coach great superstars but guys like Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman if they wanted to do something they were going to do it if Michael Jordan wanted wanted something done he was going to go out and do it Dennis Rodman wanted to take a trip to Vegas Dennis Rodman was going to do it if Scottie Pippen wanted wanted to to take the summer off or to take half the season off because he wanted to get surgery Scottie Pippen was going to do that but Phil Jackson still made it work, which which I respect. Uh, but Dennis Rodman, I love I love this episode. The, these two episodes for me was great. I love the topic, the Pistons and Dennis Rodman, two of my most favorite things in NBA history. I, mean, I, I honestly I wish I was alive back then to, to, to witness that live because that would have been something else. I, I always talk about guys nowadays, Patrick Beverly, especially Draymond Green, who wear their heart and their soul, everything on their on their sleeve. And I think that that's why that, that's why I think the Clippers are such a good team because they have so many of those guys who are not afraid to get dirty. And that's why I think the the Lakers right now they have their backcourt extremely underrated because they have guys who are not afraid to get dirty which you need you can't have these soft guys playing in big playoff games and Dennis Rodman he was anything but soft and he was the definition of, of he, he he was really the if you think of one guy who wore their, wore their heart on, their heart on their sleeve it was Dennis Rodman he it was Dennis Rodman and I respect the shit out of him for that I genuinely do okay so yeah it's kind of those are kind of my main takeaways from the Michael Jordan documentary uh, the, the 80s were amazing. Dennis Rama was great. <laughs> Phil Jackson's a GOAT coach and the Bad Boy Pistons. I love the Bad Boy Pistons. And I understand that's an unpopular opinion, but I honestly don't really care because those Bad Boy Pistons, I, I, I kind of have a crush on the Bad Boy Pistons. I love that. Uh, moving on to the NFL draft. The NFL draft this year was a bit different. Uh, and I don't think we'll, we'll ever see anything like that, or, or I hope we don't ever see anything like we saw the other night. Of course, where all the players were at home, there was... It was very different with the players or the picture being announced over the phone or on TV, rather than in person, live, and but but as far as the actual draft picks, I, I enjoyed it. And the, the obviously the top two picks with Chase Young and, and Burrow were the obvious picks. But I wanted to go on to the Eagles or not not, not the Eagles, uh, CD Lamb. CD Lamb I think was a steal of the first round, maybe the steal of the draft, just because there was two wide receivers that went that went above him, uh, Rugs and Judy, two great wide receivers though by the way, because this was one of the greatest drafts of draft classes of all time when it came to talent on the outside. The, the wide receivers it was stacked, it was stacked up and down, up and down the up and down the the draft roster. There was wide receivers going crazy everywhere. CD Lamb picked at seventeen. Is for me, it was a steal from Dallas Cowboys. Now, one, I really want to talk about this because the Denver Broncos had a chance to, to draft him, and, and there was a couple other teams who had a chance to draft CD, draft CD Lamb. I think, uh, but I think the fact that he slid all the way down to seventeen, he's gonna be. I think he'll he'll be the best receiver out of this draft class. But I'm very excited because not only in, in, in my notes here, I wrote CD Lamb was a steal of the first round, but I wanted to reiterate the fact that. I am so the, the two guys I went ahead of him too, Judy and Ruggs from Alabama, and CD Lamb. Those three guys right there, I think that those three guys they're going down as they're going to be some of the greatest, not only wide receivers of all time, but greatest offensive players of all time. The the skill, the speed, and, and the catching ability, obviously, it's ridiculous. And what they do after the catch, we I always you watch CD Lamb, you watch Ruggs and and, and and these boys. It's not only the fact that they'll. They'll make the big play over the top, but one, they'll catch the ball in the flat and turn the and turn and turn it into a sixty-yard touchdown. It's just a speed, and if they can translate that into the NFL game, if they can translate and if they can work in, in in the professional offense. I think that they can go down to be some of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Uh, Lamb Rugs and of course Jerry Judy. 
I, re- I really like that. Of course, it, it, one of the most controversial picks of the draft, though, was the Green Bay Packers trading up to draft a uh, quarterback. Is it time for Aaron Rodgers? Is it over? He is 37 years old. He's aging. He, I don't think he's quite done yet. But the fact that the Packers did that, dra- trade, up in the, trade up in the draft, draft a first round a quarterback in the first round in in a draft where wide receivers were absolutely stacked and Aaron Rodgers really didn't have a lot of help on the outside last year or he could have used a lot more and this would have been a perfect year to really boost that the wide receivers out there um the fact that not only did they not draft the wide receiver in the first round but they traded up to get a quarterback and they didn't even draft the wide receiver in the draft at all which for me is is I don't I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't understand what's going on in Green Bay right now. They they had a good run last year all the way to the NFC Championship game before getting blown up by San Francisco. By the way, the 49ers did have a great they, they did have a great draft. They were one of my winners of the draft. Uh obviously 49ers, Baltimore had a great draft as well. The Indianapolis Colts had a great draft. Uh, New York Jets I thought had a great draft too. I I, I don't really want to go in too deep in, in, into the NFL draft cuz I don't really enjoy going deep in, into drafts uh, just because it's so difficult to tell what players you're going to, how players are going to do, you know. Uh, Joe Burrow, though, in, in Cincinnati, I think he's going to be great. I think Joe Burrow is going to be great in Washington now. They do have a couple young pass, uh, pass rushers uh, to get after the quarterback after picking up Chase Young in the draft. So that's all I really have to say for the NFL draft. I want to move on now to music of the week. Um... I listened to the NBA Youngboy album, uh, and it, it was bad. It, like Not only was it bad, it was trash. It was an absolute ass. I don't know what's going on with NBA Youngboy. I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I, I don't get it. I mean, normally in an album, he, he'll have one or two bangers. He'll have one or two bangers. But this album was just trash. It was just straight trash. And and, and he's coming out with a deluxe version. It's probably going to be more the same. The deluxe version is coming out this week. It's probably going to be more the same. There wasn't a lot of music that went out last week. So I just wanted to mention a few things here. Uh, Travis Scott and, of course, Kid Cudi. Rumored to have an album on the way. And the Scots, that that, that song was, was fire. Their cops outside. Lock up the house is all over TikTok, and I, I, lo- I love that song, The Scots. And if Travis Scott and Kid Cudi do create an album together, I'm gonna go out and say right now it's gonna be one of the greatest albums of not only the year but of the decade. All right, it's, it's gonna be up there because those guys we we've seen them work together in the past. We've seen them uh, through the late now. It was one of my favorite songs of all time. It re- I, I really enjoy that song. And anytime you got Kid Cudi on the track, all you have to do it. All you have to all you have to have him do is hum, maybe spit a verse, and Travis Scott can do the rest. And the production quality between those two is fucking ridiculous. And if those two guys make an album, it's going to be my dream come true and a lot of other people's dream come true. And I'm not, I don't know I'm the biggest Travis Scott fan, you know, I'm, I wouldn't classify myself as a rager. I'm not the biggest Kid Cudi fan. I'm just a fan of good music. And Travis Scott and Kid Cudi, both, they both make great music and together they they're just on a whole other level. One of the greatest duos of in, in in the game today, for sure. And finally, I wanted to touch on a slightly more less known artist and K Camp. K Camp did release did release uh, an album last week as well, and I really enjoyed it. I never first time I've listened to that to to to, to his music. And I thought that I just wanted to say this real quick. I thought that it was some probably the best album that dropped last week, and. Yeah, in a week where NBA Young Boys dropping, it, <laughs> uh, that K Cam definitely had the best album of the week. So that, that's all I really want to say, uh, music wise. Approaching twenty minutes now on the episode. 
Lastly, NBA. The NBA news, the NBA plans to reopen practice facilities on May 1st. I've heard the uh, May 8th being tossed around there where players can start to get back in and start working out and everything. I don't expect the NBA to to return quite... I expect it to be a few months now. Maybe two or three before the NBA returns. Maybe they will have some games in the Bahamas, but, but I'm not going to lie to you. At this moment in time, I... I'm having very, I'm having a lot of trouble picturing this NBA season um, to be 82 games long. I'm having a lot of trouble picturing the playoffs to be uh, four rounds of four uh, of best of seven ba- or best of seven basketball. I, mean, I, I I just don't think that's going to be true. I think they'll shorten the rounds. I could see best of five, maybe maybe even best of three, which would be disappointing, of course. But I'd rather that than just no playoffs at all. And as for the regular season, I doubt they 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 stretch the season out to eighty two games. I think they'll keep it honestly around seventy, maybe even less sixty five, somewhere somewhere in that ballpark. Because I think right now all all Adam Silver wants to do and all the fans really want right now they just want to see they just want to see some playoff basketball. And the way the standings are right now, the way the standings are right now, the the teams the. The teams that are on the outside, uh, guys like Memphis and San Antonio and, and New Orleans, those guys knocking the door. They don't have a chance. They're gonna they're gonna get swept in the first round anyway by the Lakers. So it really doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I, I just I'm honestly just excited to see basketball again. And the fact that they are reopening practice facilities uh, in May, it seems like, well, whether it's May first or the or the eighth or whenever that whenever they're gonna reopen facilities, that's that's always a good sign. Good to see the players getting back in there. Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Speaking of documentaries, talk about the Michael Jordan documentary. Dwayne Wade is has created a doc or is creating a documentary of the Redeem team from 2008, uh, the team that redeemed the United States after their embarrassing 2006 Olympic performance, uh, we, we, or 2000, the Redeem team from 2008. Um, yeah, listen, I, I, I'm not a big fan of this. Because normally when you make a documentary, there's got to be a story about it. And I get that they didn't do good in the, in the previous Olympics. And I get Argentina won. And I get USA didn't win. But listen, it's not going to be interesting. I can guarantee you that. I, like, I, could give, I couldn't give less of a shit. Because the, the, that team was so good. All right, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not going to watch a documentary on the 2018 or 2017 Golden State Warriors. I'm just not going to do that. It's boring. There was no adversity. All right, you, you pick up Kevin Durant, and you're good to go. Same, same with, same with Team USA, and that's what's going to happen again in next year after what happened in the World Cup this year, or not next year, but in a, in a few years at the, at the Olympics. After what happened in the FIBA World Cup last year, now all these people coming out here like, all right, let's 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 do, let's run it back, let's let's get all the best players out here. And once the USA actually brings their players out, there's just no point in any other team trying because USA is going to win. And honestly, I, I don't think the the redeem team the redeem team documentary is going to be that interesting. I'm not going to lie to you, um, but all right, whatever. D Wade wants to do it. The players, I'm sure, would like it. I'm just saying that I, I'll probably watch it. I just probably won't enjoy it a lot because there's just no there's there's, there's no adversity. But for all I know, but, but you never know. Maybe maybe there is. Maybe, maybe there is some adversity. Maybe I'm completely wrong. I guess the adversity is them losing um, four years earlier, but. Okay, whatever. I mean, like, you have the best players in the world. You should win. Finally, Ball Brothers plan to sign with Rock Nation, Jay-Z Sports Management Company. I like this. Just want to toss it in there. Uh, LeVar, or 
LaMelo, LiAngelo, and of course, LaMelo playing the sound with Rock Nation. Hopefully you get to see more players sound with that team too, or that uh, with Jay-Z as well in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really want to talk about today on the Off The Dome podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show, and I'll see you all next week. Peace out.